When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And good day, everybody. Episode 133 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Jacob is back. Ben Fadden, your host here. Uh, middle of the day on the uh, West Coast. Episode 133, like I just mentioned, there's a lot to talk about today. Tommy Pham not coming to the Padres, going to the Reds. Uh, AJ Castavell, MLB.com, released his first roster projection, so we'll get into everyone that made his roster and some interesting ones that were left off or and some interesting ones that did make the roster as well. Uh, Dave Roberts, a Dodgers manor, manager, may have just jinxed uh, their season. Uh, so a lot to talk about. First off, though, everyone wants to know, Jacob, what's up? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be back. Um, first time doing this kind of live stream thing where it's like um, just live, live like this. I like it. That's right. What's up, Uncle Nick? So, uh, yeah, so we'll get right into it. This episode, by the way, is sponsored by Gaglione Bros. I know this is the first time, Jacob, that you're on while I'm saying that. Uh, sponsored by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs. GaglioneBros.com, you can view their entire menu uh, locations, not just at Peco Park during the season, in the upper deck, down the third baseline, uh, garlic fry stand uh, behind home plate on field level, but also in uh, Point Loma and the sports arena. Uh, I know, Jacob, you can vouch for their uh, garlic fries and their cheesesteak. I forget, are you a... Are you a uh, garlic or excuse me, cheesesteak with cheese whiz, or the just the American? I'm an American cheese guy. I, okay. I know you're a cheese whiz guy. Yep. I'm an American. Yep. I'm an American style. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. So feel free in the comments, uh, anyone watching live, to 
you know, put in what you like on your cheesesteak, uh, if you like cheese whiz or not. But we'll get right into the Tommy Pham news, obviously. Um, yesterday, I wasn't expecting it to happen, I guess, last night. I already had went live for episode 132, um, you know, discussing Mackenzie Gore's second spring training start and all of that. But obviously, I put like a one-minute reaction video out, just a quick reaction about Tommy Pham signing with the Cincinnati Reds. One-year deal, uh, mutual option for 2023. It ended up coming to, I think, $7.5 million for 2022, obviously with the mutual option, like I mentioned, in 2023. Um, I don't really like blame the Padres for not bringing Tommy back in, in this case. Like, yeah. I had the opinion of when they didn't get Castellanos or Bryant or Suzuki, I kind of had the opinion like, well, I want Tommy Pham now because I just want a left fielder. I don't want Jerks and Profar being the left fielder. Uh, you know, no disrespect really to him. Well, maybe it is, but that's just the way. He's just a better utility guy uh, in terms of respect for him. I think he's just a better... Uh, better used as a utility guy. So when there weren't really any options left, I was more in the, okay, let's bring back Fam, But only if it was a one-year, like, three, four million dollar deal, uh, obviously, which would keep the Padres under that $230 million competitive balance tax luxury to threshold uh, number. Obviously, with the $7.5 million, that's not what it was. Uh, it's not anywhere near what the Padres were uh, wanting to give fam. And so obviously fam goes to Cincinnati. Uh, so in terms of my thoughts on this, just kind of expanded, like I'm okay with having fam go to Cincinnati when they're not going to be a contender and you would have overpaid for him anyway. You're giving Profar $7 million right there. So, I mean, you're, you're, you would have just overpaid for now two technically outfielders, if that's what you want to call them. Uh, and, Frankly, when you look at his stats, right, before I hand it off to you, Jacob, lower average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS with San Diego in his two years, the shortened season, and then last year, then in comparison to what he did uh, with Tampa. Um, and that trade now, it's known as the Jake Cronenworth trade. Like, it's not even – I. it was supposed to be known as the Tommy Pham trade, and that just tells you that the Pham – whole experiment thing didn't really work out. Now, Jake's a great player, but even if Jake would have been an all-star like this, if Pham would have been to the level that he was in Tampa, I think it wouldn't be known as much as the Jake Cronenworth trade, if you know what I'm getting at. Like, it would have been known still, I think, as it, because Cronenworth, he's under contract. He was going to be here anyway longer than Pham was because he hadn't debuted yet. Uh, and obviously, if he's going to be an all-star... Obviously, maybe eventually it would be known as the Jake Cronenworth contract or like the Jake Cronenworth trade, but not. I don't think it would have been known as much of it, at least at this point in time. You know, uh, if Fam would have performed a little better to his, you know, expectations, uh, and instead, and obviously getting stabbed in the back didn't help him. Uh, fighting with fans didn't really help him. Running into Hassan Kim and then yelling at Bobby Dickerson last year at Wrigley Field didn't help him. Uh, and didn't he, like, talk about how he wanted to, like, fight fans or something at one point? Like, so a lot of that stuff didn't help him at all either. He had 18 total home runs with the Padres. He had 21 
in one season with the Rays in 2019. Uh, so for the Padres, I mean, I, I name off all of those stats and saying how he didn't really perform. But then I just said moments ago that I still would have wanted him. Uh, so that just shows you where they, they're at right now in their left field position. Like Profar, he's projected, I think, for baseball reference, is projecting, projecting him to hit like 12 home runs this year, which is three less than what Tommy hit last year. So it, it just a lot of this shows that the Padres aren't in a great spot there, at least on paper. Now on paper means nothing, obviously, as we saw with the health of the rotation last year, but that's venturing off into a way different thing. Uh, but just before we get to the Reds part of this, which makes no sense, yeah. Do you like uh, Tommy Pham not coming back, especially with the $7.5 million that he got with the Reds? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we would have only wanted him back, I think, if it was in that $3, 4000000 million mm-hmm. kind of area. There's no way we were going to pay more for Tommy Pham than we already are for Jerks and Profile right now. Right. Um, I mean, he got a one-year prove-it deal with, worth a lot more money than I thought he was going to. So it didn't really make a lot of sense for Cincinnati to even give him that, I don't think. Yeah. But um, he got a lot of money. He's got to prove a deal. And I, I'm glad the Padres didn't go into a bidding war right there in the $8 million range kind of for Tommy Pham, who didn't even crack 20 home runs as a Padre in two years. Yeah. One and a half, yeah. Yeah. Having, <laughs> yeah, having a bidding war for Tommy Pham is not uh, no. really what you want. <laughs> um but that's also the thing, like maybe if they didn't spend $21 million on Profar or $25.5 million on Nick Martinez when it was supposed to be $20 million only you know, before the lockout, maybe if they didn't do that, they would have had more room to bring Fam in for that type of deal uh, if that's what he was you know, obviously commanding. Uh, but, I mean, for the Reds' point of view in this, like, I get this is a Padres podcast, but this still affects them because now Fam's not a Padre and isn't going to be a Padre. Uh, the Reds' point of view, this makes no sense, I think. Right. Like, maybe it's a PR play, and they're saying, hey, we're still kind of trying here. And Bobby Nightingale, I think Bob Nightingale's son, who reported this, was like, this adds, like, a power bat or something to the lineup. It's like, have you seen him play the last couple years? So I don't really uh, – I don't think that's really the case. Um, so – I mean, they've traded Sonny Gray, who was one of their best starters. They traded Eugenio Suarez, who was their, one of the best third basemen in the league a couple years ago. I think he led the NL on home runs a couple years ago. They traded him. I know he wasn't great last year, but traded him. Uh, they traded, obviously. What's that? He still hit over 30 home runs, I think, for them. He just hit, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. one night. Yeah, he just wasn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, they tried him at shortstop and all of that. Uh, they traded Jesse Winker, obviously, their all-star. Castellanos, obviously, isn't there anymore. They're not trying. They're not trying to win. So why would they bring in Tommy Pham? That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, and then spend $7.5 million on him. And then even open an opportunity to bring him back in 2023. I didn't see the terms on how much money that would be. But it's like, I don't understand it from their point of view when they're trying to lose to bring in a guy and spend $7.5 million on a guy when you can just give a minor leaguer and have him give him $700,000 and not win that way, I don't really get that. Like, I don't think Tommy Pham's going to be selling jerseys there. I don't know. what. 
are there great strip clubs in Cincinnati? Like, what is why is he why is why did he yeah. want to go to Cincinnati? Like, I, I I don't know because Tommy, if this isn't 2019, I don't think people are you know ecstatic over the blockbuster signing of Tommy Tam. Um, it, it had to be like they must see something that we don't because that, I I don't see any you know bright knowledge in this signing at all. Yeah. Um, Maybe he just really loves Cincinnati. Who knows? I, or his agent is literally God, you know? Or like, or maybe he, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it's God. Maybe he doesn't want to play in front of packed crowds, so he goes to Cincinnati so that fans... You know, all the pressure of, so that, you know, playing in front of San Diego anymore. Exactly, so that fans don't get on him. Um, yeah. I'm look, trying to look up here on Baseball Reference his first and second half splits because I would bring up the argument okay I found him I would bring up the argument that Tommy Pham maybe they're doing this so they can trade him at the deadline and all that but here I'll, sh- I'll share my uh, screen for the YouTube audience here of Tommy Pham's splits his first and second half splits last year aren't great uh, here's first and second half okay he hit more home runs in the first half but that's because he played in 33 more games uh, he hit okay. His first half splits okay. They're better than the sec the second half. He was, but he went on a little bit of a tear for a little while, batting leadoff. I remember. Yeah, he yeah. Had a three, but yeah. that was about it. Yeah, but like okay, so the most okay. He drove in thirty runs in the first half, but again, he's playing thirty three more games. He appeared in thirty three more mm-hmm. games. Started in thirty more games. Had like 150 more plate appearances than in the second half. So he obviously has more chances to to drive in 11 more runs than he did in the second half and hit three more home runs than he did in the first half, or three more home runs in the first half than he did in the second half. Like, that doesn't make much sense there. Uh, 254 average, that's what the Reds are getting, if that's what we're comparing. Uh, If you go to... That's it. Yeah, let's see. Uh, trying to pull up his projected 2022 stats. Here it is. He's age 34. Okay, he's supposed to hit one less home run than he did last year and drive in less than 50 home runs. Hit 239. So I guess this is kind of making like my argument wanting Tommy Pham worse. But like, I don't think it's that bad of an argument because with Jerks and Profar, he's supposed to hit two less home runs than Tommy Pham is this year. So he's supposed to play the entire infield, entire outfield. I mean, right, but for for my my argument, I'm trying to say, like, I thought that they could have gotten Pham uh, because I didn't want Profar being the left fielder because I think he's better versatile-wise and all that. Um, But, I mean, Pham's numbers weren't great either. So it just shows you that the outfield – like the starting, so the Padres are like really close to being like a real World Series contender, right? When Tatis is healthy, I can stop sharing my screen with this, by the way. But when I, when Tatis uh, is healthy, right? You have a great infield. You have Manny. You have Tatis. You have Cronworth. You have Abrams when he comes up. So that's that's a great infield. You have. A great rotation with those five guys if Gore pans out well, which is really working right now. Uh, so there, that's great. There, I believe that they have depth. You know, 
in the bullpen. They somehow every year, even when there isn't a like solidified closer going into spring training, they still find a way to find that closer. So I, I'm not worried about that. The outfield is the only like question mark, you know? Like you could look right now at the bottom half of the lineup and say, Ben, that's the question mark. But because the bottom half of the lineup is the outfield, like when Abrams and Tatis are healthy, Grisham's hitting like ninth. He's not hitting leadoff. So the bottom half of the lineup is the outfield. That's that's what the problem is. That and catching with Nola or Garrettini or whatever. So that's the problem. So that I guess I guess that's my point is like they're close. It's just the left field position now. You're going to have Nomar Mazara and Jerks and Profar as the two starting left fielders. And we'll get into A.J. Casaville of MLB.com, his roster projection. But it, it doesn't look great in the outfield, and that's part, one of the big question marks, obviously. Um, is there anything really left on the market? I mean, Yeah, Michael Conforto is left on the market, but he's he wants, like, what, $20 million a year? Yes. And I saw people trying to say we you can backload Conforto's contract and give him like 6 million this year so you know it keeps him under the competitive balance tax threshold that's not the way it works guys yeah. that's not the way it works this isn't i don't know if they do that in football or basketball and they you can do it that way that's not the way it works it goes the competitive balance luxury tax the threshold there it is judged by the average annual value so like will myers He's making what twenty million this year, I think. His a his AAV on that goes towards the luxury tax is thirteen million a year, because that's the average annual value that he signed for that long term extension. Manny Machado, I don't think he's making. Ex- he might be, but let's say he was making like thirty three million. The AAV towards the luxury tax is thirty million. That's the AAV through the length of his contract. So if Conforto gets like three years, forty-five million or something, and it's not even twenty million, it's like fifteen million a year. And they want to, and you want to say that you backload it and say we'll give him six million dollars this year. That doesn't matter. You can do that all you want. The still, it's still going to be fifteen million towards the luxury tax, which will put them over the two hundred thirty million dollar value. And you can make the case that, hey, Ben, I'd go over the luxury tax for Conforto. Well, look, I don't want to go over the luxury tax for Conforto when you still have you, – you're not as great of a team as the Dodgers. It's not like the team is this close to a World Series when I think they are, but I think they're more than one piece away from that World Series, at least being the favorite. Yeah, it's not just that because you still have – you don't know what the catching position is going to do. Uh, and Camposano, well, that could be a solution. He's a DH right now. He stinks in, at, you know, catching-wise. So it's, it's just – Conforto, yeah, he cool. I mean, but he's coming off a bad year last year. His 20 home run seasons that he had, 30 home run seasons, were four years ago when the, you know, you know, when the Mets were, like, really in his prime. Uh, let's go through the comments real quick just to see – Anything here? Uh, Nick Profar said he says Profar is a way better clubhouse guy, but he's a good bat off the bench. I agree. I think that he puts together great at bats, um, but his stat cast numbers stink. His exit velocity sucks. Uh, his power numbers obviously aren't great. Uh, what he hit like two home runs last year. So I like the at bats that he put together, 
and I, he's always going to do that. He doesn't chase really, or if he does, he at least fouls the ball off until he gets a pitch. But it kind of feels like uh, a little bit of a hybrid between Hosmer and Kim, where it's either it ends in like a ground out or a pop up to short. So it's 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 hard to you know want to put him in the lineup. Uh, Brian Perez says Padres should trade for Matt Beatty. He just got DFA'd, so they can do that. But I don't think the Dodgers would want to trade him to the uh, the Padres. And there's no way that I think that Beatty's going to pass through waivers. So I think another team would claim him before that. Yep. JD says Beatty was DFA'd. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yep. Um, All right. So that's the whole Tommy Pham uh, situation. Uh, Bob Melvin has said – I did want to get into this. Bob Melvin has said that he's only looking at Jorge Alfaro as a catcher and not in the outfield, so that kind of just adds to that whole left fielder uh, conversation, you know, that we were having. Uh, he's hit two home runs in spring training this far. He's it's only seven at bats for don't so don't go overreacting to that. He's hitting four twenty nine, uh, a one seven one five OPS, but again seven at bats. The question here, and we'll get to the roster projection, is if Alfaro will be that second catcher in front of Caratini, or will he benefit from the 28-man roster that's going to end up taking place in April? I feel like most teams are going to you know, add more pitchers than position players, uh, but the Padres, you might see them add one more pitcher, whether that's Gore, or, and then add one more position player, uh, probably a catcher, whether it's Camposano or Alfaro, to be an extra bat, because right now they have... I'm I'm penciling in Nomar Mazzara, and we'll get to that roster projection, but just as a quick tease, I'm penciling in Mazzara right now as the fourth outfielder because they literally have only three outfielders right now because Mazzara's on a minor league deal. Like, so you, it's like you need to have – yeah, you need – and he's not even in big league camp. Like, you need four outfielders at least. Like, and I – I don't want uh, – I mean, people can bring up – yeah, they can just bring Trace Thompson to be the fifth guy. Like, okay, but how did the Jake Marisnik thing work last year? Not so great. So, I don't uh, – yeah, yeah, so uh, – all right. So, I did want to kind of preview that with the whole catcher situation. Um, Dennis Lynn, before we get to the roster projection and then what Dave Roberts said, which I think is frankly stupid – uh, to say, uh, Dennis Lynn in his Q and A yesterday, I, I kind of mentioned that yesterday on episode 132, on some things that he mentioned, but some other things that I went through this morning, just reading the whole transcript that he went through, uh, that he uh, answered, replied to all these fans' questions. He said that essentially Preller's running out of excuses to keep his job, uh, and those, you know, because. He's ran out of the excuse of not an experienced manager who, by the way, he hired, not spending enough money, who, by the way, they've spent $640 million on the left side of the infield, and Peter Seidler's allowed him to spend, what is that, 26, uh, 56 at least million on Nick Martinez and Jerks and Profar combined, and then add $28 million to Hassan Kim. So he's let him spend money there as well, so that's not really an excuse. Uh, Obviously, the expanded playoffs, that's another extra team that comes in. So you're running – he's right. Dennis is right. He's, he's running out of uh, excuses there. He thinks 
that the Padres will acquire at least one outfielder uh, before opening day and that a trade seems likely uh, more than a free agent addition. But again, the the trade market, I mean, okay, you can bring up Brian Reynolds and Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows is going to make, I think, what, $4 million this year. He agreed to an arbitration. So I get where they're coming from with that. Um, any fan that wants Austin Meadows and all that, and we I talked about that on a uh, podcast episode, YouTube episode earlier this offseason, but it's a trade. The Rays are going to want something back. They're trying to contend. They're trying to win the AL East this year and go win a pennant to get back to the World Series uh, without Blake Snell now. Uh, they're trying to do that, and Austin Meadows is a starting outfielder for them. So they're not just going to say, here, Padres, come have, come give Austin Meadows. Here you go. Like, they gave up Jake Cronenworth because they were getting back Hunter Renfro, who, was, who ended up playing for them. And they got back Luis Patino in that Blake Snell deal. So they were getting back things. They gave up Cronenworth because he didn't figure to be in their plans. And that was one of the rare misses by the Rays that Preller ended up benefiting from. Uh, so they're, the Rays are smart. They're, you're not going to get Meadows for nothing. To, to, but So going back to Dennis Lynn's you know, comments, talking about how a trade's likely or likelier, I agree with that. But I don't know about you. I, I don't I, – right now personally, I still feel like it's Profar and Mazzara probably as the left field guys right now. Uh, that seems like the most likely scenario. I mean, um, unless Conforto all of a sudden decides he wants to, you know, take four mil a year. Yeah, a Scott, a Scott Boris guy wants, yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, that's, um, what What world would we live in? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, um, I think that it's just Mazzara pro far right now because, I mean, we've, we've been dealing a lot of prospects over the last, what, two, three years yep. uh, to try to acquire these guys, especially in our starting rotation. So I think, um, you know, we're kind of running a little dry there. Um, and, you know, Austin Meadows would, would take a little bit to get, I think. I mean, he's a good power bat, um, good outfielder for them. He's a starter. Um, so I, I don't really see that happening unless it's for, you know, I mean, the Rays aren't dumb, so they'll, they'll ask for something good in return for them. Um, so I kind of just see Profar and Mazar out there. Probably Profar, just because I think he's, you know, more experienced out there than Mazzara, at least um, with the Padres, you know, more recently. I think uh, he's out there probably. So. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Lynn said, kind of echoing the Conforto thing, saying that he, he'd be surprised if Conforto's a Padre. Uh, he says there's a better chance of Mazzara, Profar, Platoon, like we just mentioned, than a trade for someone like Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds. Again, People jumped off that Brian Reynolds bandwagon really quickly after a few at-bats from C.J. Abrams. Wow. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hmm. Wonder who was right about that. Uh, Jim Russell is uh, really uh, backpedaling there. He's now in the the C.J. Abrams camp. He's now on my side of things. And after saying a few weeks ago, I'd give up Abrams in a heartbeat for a six-war player. Uh, Abrams, look, Abrams can be that. And I think maybe even better than that. And he'd be under control for more years than Reynolds. Make less money the first few years more than, uh, you know, makes less money than Reynolds would uh, these next few years, which is obviously big because Preller's handicapped himself under that, you know, $230 million luxury tax threshold number. Uh, 
another thing, I mean, Cedric Mullins, look, he would, yeah, of course, he'd be a great player to add. But the Orioles are also, the Orioles want to build around him, I think. Uh, and again, it's a trade, and the Padres would really have to give up a lot there for anything to happen. Like, the Orioles, you have to realize what they're doing as well. Like, they're in full rebuild mode and saying, we don't care, we don't give a S. And they're just, their payroll's like $30 million this year. Manny's making that in one season. So, talk about not trying to win. That's them right there. You look that up on Wikipedia, their image will show up. Like, that's just, it's, it's just, it's just not, it's just not great, I would think, to be an Orioles fan. I mean, you can say, We've been through this, you know. Look, we have this great prospect coming up. I'll go to the ballpark for that. I'll go, I mean, probably us, you know, my mom. We'll go to the ballpark for the tri-tip nachos tonight. Like, but yeah. look, at the end of the day, I mean, that gets a little bit old. You're, you're paying this money to try to win here. You want to see a winning team. You're trying to invest. You don't want to just be spending all this money to go watch this team stink and see, for the oil's sake, to go see the Yankees go hit bombs at Camden Yards and you get nothing out of it, and your team is making profit while not reinvesting that money at all into the team. Now, if down the line they end up saving all this money that they're earning these few years that where they stink and they're going to reinvest that money kind of like the Padres have, okay, you can buy me on that. But to spend $30 million on your payroll is kind of, I mean, not kind of, really embarrassing. And my point with the Cedric Mullins thing, getting back to him, is they're in full rebuild mode. So they are literally trying to get as many prospects back, young guys, as they can. So if you think that you're going to get Cedric Mullins for nothing, kind of like the Luke Voigt thing, no, that's not the way it is. The Yankees and Orioles' circumstances are totally different. The Yankees had no place for Voigt. They're trying to win. So they said, look, we, we're just going to deal Voigt and get back Justin Lang and see where that goes. Uh, we, he's not going to benefit the team this year. But, look, we have no place for Voight. We need someone that better fits our team because we're trying to win right now. That's not where the Orioles are. So I just don't see a, a Mullins trade, a Brian Reynolds trade. And I, frankly, don't think it's smart for a Brian Reynolds or Mullins, to be quite honest, because I would, I assume that Robert Hassel III would be involved in that deal. Yeah, and I think Robert Hassel's the feature of this outfield. Um, and I think that... He would he would obviously have to go for them because they're going to be asking for a big price. I mean, Cedric Mullins and Brian Reynolds, both All-Stars. Um, and All-Stars don't get deals for cheap, especially on a team that's, you know, their entire payroll is about the same as Manny Machado's, you know, AAV. So that's I, – I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, it'd be cool if it happened, but I, I doubt that Robert Hassel will be on the team if it did happen. So I don't want that to happen. And then Gore, too. That's another thing. Like, there was all of these things, you know, rumors floated about how they'd have to give up two of the top four. And I think if you're the Orioles, right, you're rebuilding, you're in rebuild mode, you want to ch- kind of go from like this to go start going up here and on the roller coaster. And with Gore, giving up Gore would definitely help them. And giving up Gore for us. That might be even more preventative, if that's a word, than uh, giving up hassle. Because for the outfield, maybe C.J. Abrams moves to the outfield. You have Grisham who bounced back. You have him on an extension. Maybe James Wood ends up being 
an outfielder or something, and you have Voight DH for the next two years after this year. So that's okay there. You can make an argument for that. But with Gore, do you is it a guarantee that Snell and Darvish are back after 2023? I don't think so. Musgrove, I think that's a they really will work on an extension, but there hasn't been any talks there. He's still a free agent after this year. So that's still something that's there, you know. Uh, it's still lingering there. And same thing with Clevenger. He's a free agent after this year. So my point there is that I think get, keeping Gore to be able to, um, you know, have him in the rotation – to possibly replace one of those guys that ends up leaving because I don't think they're going to keep all of them. No. So if that's the case, look, I'd give up Hassel, but I don't think – I think the Orioles are going to want Gore. They, they're going to want – they're going to want Gore, especially with yeah. the way he's trending, and they're giving up an all-star outfielder for him. They're going to say – it feels like that. it's like they have the leverage. I mean, yeah, I mean um... – Gore kind of increased his kind of value with how great he's been, you know, in this spring training period, this short spring training period. Um, and he's, you know, he's finally hitting his spots. Kind of that was his big thing was the control issue. Um, and I mean, he's still young, and I feel like the Orioles would definitely benefit from that. If or the, even the Pirates definitely benefit from that um, more than Robert Hassel. Um, so I think that they would demand that more. Um, but I think this is just my opinion here. I'm gonna put this out there. I think that Gore for us should be more untouchable than Hassel, just because of you know this upcoming you know couple years of free agents that you know we don't know if they're gonna come back. We don't know if we're gonna be able to work something out with them. Uh, and I feel like Gore is kind of like that safety valve. You know, maybe he's in the bullpen for now just because of our good rotation. And then, you know, he goes into that starting rotation when everyone leaves, if they do leave at yeah, that point. Right. Um, but, you know, if we do end up re-signing these guys, maybe we, you know, then look to trade him because we would just be, you know, a fancy bullpen arm, long relief guy. Um, but for now, I'd say that, you know, you got to keep him. you got to kind of plan for the future with uh, surrounding him in that starting five rotation. Um, at least until you, you know, look forward to that free agency period, you know, of, you know, who we're going to be able to keep, something like that. Yeah, and I, th- I think in terms of Robert Hassel or Gore being more untouchable right now as things are trending, the way things are trending, I think it's Gore now. I would have, a few weeks ago before seeing him, would have said Hassel. And I, I still, if look, I still wouldn't give up either. I'm not, I, I wouldn't give up either. But if you have to choose, I think it's Gore because we don't know what Hassel is yet. And things are and Gore. It's just simply like we're trying to win right now, and Hassel might be here next year, but Gore it feels like the way things are trending, he's going to be here this year. So, I, in terms of just trying to win right now, Gore is the guy that helps you more than Hassel. And Hassel, I think, like Abrams, it, there's still the power question. But as we've seen with Abrams, it seems like he's working on that power, yeah. you know, aspect. So that thing will, I think, end up happening for Hassel as well. So, again, I wouldn't give up either. Uh, I think, look, I had uh, some uh, Kevin on from uh, Kevin Charity from Madfires on like a month ago, 
And he was talking about how he loves Hassel, play discipline, you know, potential five-tool player, center fielder. I think he'll be the center fielder of the future for the Padres. And you can move Grisham over if he doesn't come back. You have options there. Uh, I really like Hassel. And obviously, Abrams could move there too. Who knows? Um, But I wouldn't give up either. But if, look, in the chat, let us know. Gore or Hassel, who would you rather give up if you do make a trade like this where you where the other team is literally is demanding one of those guys who would you rather give up again ideal scenario i wouldn't give up any of them but as things the way things are going it's sadly it's hassle over gore right now yeah all right uh moving on let's see um bob i want to check out some of this uh chat really quick yeah go ahead um which one, Eric? Uh, no. Let's let's look at uh, Big Island Bum. He kind of oh, what a name, Big Island Bum. All right, Paddock, Camposano, Cronenworth to Pittsburgh for Brian Reynolds. Are you out of your mind? You are a bum, dude. I'm sorry, man. Really? Paddock, Camposano, and Cronenworth to Brian Reynolds. You can make an argument that Cronenworth is better than Brian Reynolds, so you already have someone better than Brian Reynolds who plays more positions than him, and then you give up one of your top four prospects and Paddock, who's another starting pitching option or relief option. Why would you do that? I don't understand. What, why would you do that? You can use Camposano in another deal. Cronenworth literally is an all-star right now and hitting in the middle of your lineup. The Padres have two great hitters in their lineup right now. Two. Machado and Cronenworth. That's it. Tatis is out. And, okay, if you're going to bring in Brian Reynolds, okay, then Brian Reynolds and Machado. Those would be the two. But Cronenworth, you can make the argument that he's better than Brian Reynolds right now. I get Brian Reynolds had a great war last year and all of that. But really? Okay, you're saying C.J. Abrams to play second base. Okay, so now you're just going to put Hosmer or... Voigt at first base, those two guys, Hosmer has stunk with the Padres, and Voigt, they want to try to keep him healthy playing DH. So if you put Voigt at DH, who's going to be, or at first, who's going to be your DH now? You just traded Camposano. You want Jorge Alfaro to be your DH there all year? Okay, so then who's who's your backup catcher? Now you're going to have three catchers on the roster? There's such a chain reaction to that. Giving up a starting relief option, one of your top four prospects, and then an all-star for just one other all-star? Why would you do that? I want to look at, uh, I mean... When you I can have, when you can have, you can literally have C.J. Abrams and Jake Cronenworth on the team. And Paddock and Camposano. Why would you do that? Big Island bum? Sorry. I don't know about you, Jacob, but go ahead. Sorry, that's... Uh, that's... I, no, I just want to see your reaction because I know it was a... Uh... <laughs> It wasn't good. He um, got a reaction. There you go. Respectfully, uh, I I disagree a little bit. Um, I don't think that that is a good trade. Um, I'll leave it at that. I think that um, Brian Reynolds is I, – I, I think he'll be easier to get than that. Uh, I know it will be a heavy package, um, but I don't think it will be that heavy. As I, I should also put mildly, I don't think it will be that heavy. Um, 
I don't think we should do this trade. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, um, okay, let's see. CJ, yeah, CJ, you say, okay, so Big Island Bum says CJ plays second. I went through that. Cronenworth becomes expendable with CJ at second and Reynolds in the outfield. No, he doesn't. He's still an all-star. So you just want to take his bat out of the lineup? Like, you can have Abrams, who can be a potential all-star. You can have Cronenworth, and you can have Camposano, and you can have Paddock as, a, you know, a depth option. I don't understand why you would do that. Matthew wouldn't do that trade, but Cronenworth isn't better than Reynolds. Trading Jake would be a mistake. Um, okay, you can make the argument that Cronenworth isn't better. I, I, I can see where you can make the argument that Cronenworth isn't better than Brian Reynolds, but he's more versatile than him. He plays first. He plays second. He can play short. He can DH. I'm not saying Brian Reynolds couldn't do that, but he's an outfielder. Like, and I don't think he profiles as much as a DH. Like, and Jake doesn't either, but, like, I mean, I think that's definitely uh, – it's a it's a better option, I would say, versatility wise, to have Jake than Brian Reynolds. Oh yeah. Um, who? Let's see here. Eric wants his comment. Where is it? Probably don't want to do that. I'll I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah. He was talking about a Dodger fan's comment. Um, oh okay. So, oh yeah, Brian, your team plays in a. I respect it. I throw as a um, kind of uh, how do I say this? Um, censored. Yeah, kind yeah. Of show. I yeah. don't think that that would be good. He just he pretty much said that Dodger Stadium's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I respect it though. I respect it. Yeah. All right. B- back to Big Island bum. Uh, so you'll waste Cronenworth's talent by putting him at first. How does that waste his talent? He's still in the lineup. So now they don't hit anymore? Baseball, you don't hit anymore? Is that I, – did I not catch on to that in a rule change? I, I, I think what he – I'm trying to uh, kind of help his argument. I don't agree with it. Let me put that out first. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's wasting his talent at all putting him at first because, I mean, he's still in the lineup. He's still fielding. You're not taking that away. He's a better first baseman than Hosmer. Exactly, 100%. He's a, a overall way better first baseman than him right now. Um, but he's an amazing defender at second base as well. So, I think that's what he's trying to do. And so can C.J. Abrams. And I, I agree with that. I was about to bring that up. I was about to say there's other options um, that have amazing defense right. at you know that middle infield spot. Um, and I, as much as Cronenworth is amazing defensively at second base um, – if you take out Hosmer's kind of bad defense in, you know, the past couple or the past year especially, I should say, um, Cronenworth would just – I feel like he would benefit way better defensively at first base um, than Hosmer would. And it would just kind of, you know, make the team better overall. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, this one's funny. Oh. Uh, anyone who knows me – anyone who knows me personally, Chris Paddock's my guy. Uh, say Paddock is a hack overrated is what Big Island Bum says. I don't think he's overrated. I think if you listen to anyone in San Diego, they think that Paddock's just a depth option. They're not saying that he's an ace anymore. In 2019, he pitched great. In the first half of the year, he beat Jacob DeGrom. 
He struck, he owned Pete Alonso. Like then he wasn't overrated. Then people were excited. I was excited about him. Then I've lowered my expectations. I think he is competing for the fifth spot with Nick Martinez and probably Mackenzie Gore. I don't think Weathers gets it. I think he can be a, a piggyback option with Snell because Snell's probably not going to be fully ramped up at the start of the season. So I'm not saying that – I don't think anyone's saying it, that Paddock is this guy that you can rely on as a an ace-caliber starter. I think he has potential to really help out the team, though, as a depth option. I think that's all we're saying. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about that. Uh, Paddock and Tatis overrated. Okay, all right. We're going to skip right past that one because this person's a Dodger fan clearly uh, because to say Tatis is overrated. Tatis is one of the best freaking players in the league. He's the best player on the team. Go look at his stats. He almost he had an argument to win MVP last year. Switched positions from short to outfield in the middle of the season. Hit 42 home runs. Hit five home runs in one weekend against your team, Dodger fan. So, yeah, keep saying that he's overrated. All right, we're going to move on from that, dummy. Uh, All right. He, uh, or he or she uh, deleted that comment on the YouTube, by the way. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. All right, yeah. I must have regretted it. Well, sorry, it was still on my screen, so you still got it there. All right. Um, that's even worse, then. You delete a comment because you know you're wrong? Okay. All right. Let's see. Another thing Dennis Lynn said in his Q&A, Preller is still trying to move Hosmer's contract, but it's been difficult. Yeah, obviously. That's pretty much an obviously thing. Um, I mean, look, Hosmer, obviously, the contract is not friendly. $59 million. He's not going to opt out. He has 10 and 5 rights. So 10 years that he's been in the big leagues, five years consecutively with one team, the Padres. After this coming season, so that's a no trade clause with how Scherzer did how he had it last year. So he's not gonna he's not gonna accept the trade unless it's to a real contender. And the Dodgers aren't gonna get him. The Braves aren't gonna get him. The what? The Blue Jays aren't gonna get him. They have Vlad there. So like, what team is he? Would he accept the trade to? The Marlins aren't gonna be a contender. So the Padres are gonna be a real contender. So you know next year. So. Why would he, you know, accept a trade somewhere? Like, I don't understand. So the urgency is obviously there from Preller, uh, especially with the 10 and 5 rights looming and just flexibility. I mean, we saw with the Tommy Pham thing. He literally does not have the money to spend, and it's his fault. It's not Peter Seidler's fault. It's his fault uh, because of some of the deals that he's done and the overpaying that he's done with Profar. And with Kim, as at least that's what it seems so far. He can prove us wrong, and hopefully he does. With him, with Nick Martinez, I still don't understand how that gets to $5.5 million more post-lockout than what it was before the lockout when they literally had an agreement before the lockout on that money. I Still, someone please explain that to me. I have no idea how that even happens. But that's another $5.5 million that you're not spending anywhere else. So I think... Preller has done this pretty much to himself, and the flexibility obviously is an issue, and now he's trying to walk back some of these moves, and it's just hard to do that because other teams don't want Hosmer, and the Padres still want Gore. I think that's part of the big reason that it comes down to. 
think this is a long shot. I think the only way that Hosmer, you know, kind of waves that no trade clause to not a real contender would be to go back to the Royals for some weird reason. And that's a long shot. Um, but I don't, I don't see him really waving it, to be honest, because, I mean, the Padres are a contender. Um, I think he likes being in this clubhouse here. Um, I think he likes, you know, Machado, Tatis, like those guys. He likes the clubhouse. Um, he likes San Diego. He doesn't like the fans in the front no, office. That's, that's <laughs> and the fans don't really – I don't think the fans really care for him right now either, um, you know, based on what, you know, he kind of said, um, you know, before spring training one time, you know, that, that – uh, Twitter video I saw one time. I'm not sure exactly what he said, but he was kind of shading the fans a little bit. Um, you know, he said, like, this wouldn't happen back in Kansas City. Yeah. You know, this yep. is just San Diego. Like, uh, and I, I didn't really like that. That's what kind of. Yeah. I'm not in Kansas City. I'm in San Diego. This yeah. is how they operate here. Yeah. And why, yeah. You know, like, you came here, you expected that. You, you didn't have to, you know, you don't have to shade that. Um, but uh, it's just a long shot, you know. Maybe he wants to go back to Kansas City for some odd reason, um, but I, I really doubt it. That was just just thought of that really quick. You know, something crazy might happen. Who knows? I'm trying to look up here on the Padres' Twitter. Um, you know those videos that they've been doing with the players as they're walking by. Well, yeah, I see those on TikTok all the time. They're like, uh, like one was okay. Like, here it is. Okay. Yeah, yesterday was what's your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Um, and the players were all talking about it. And okay, here here it is. Here's the tweet. This this I was laughing my butt off at this. All right, I'm gonna share my screen with the YouTube audience here for anyone that didn't see this. So this is a fan I think that just photoshopped a term onto Hosmer's response instead of it being your favorite Disney Pixar movie and Hosmer passed on it they oh, they instead they story. instead put it on so here okay instead instead of saying what's your favorite Disney movie they say what's your favorite defensive drill at first base and Hosmer replies I'll pass on this one <laughs> oh my god that that made me laugh um, Padre's Twitter is great if you're not on it, uh, I recommend it, especially with the Hosmer stuff. They, yeah, they definitely get him and definitely make some great uh, photoshops or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I was laughing at that one, um, just going off the the uh, Hosmer situation. Uh, but everything that Dennis Lynn, you know, said in his Q and A wasn't really that surprising, um, and a lot of it was. You know, spending and what the Padres, you know, might do. And a lot of it they might not do because of some of the past moves that Preller has done. Uh, getting to now A.J. Castavell and his roster projection. Before we get to that, just a couple more comments here. Uh, Freddie says Palmer's overrated. That's kind of like a paddock thing. I don't think he's overrated anymore. I, I think people know that you can't rely on him to be a closer because he doesn't stay healthy. So, um Let's see, Matthew, Big Island at Big Island Bum. Cronenworth at first is effectively utilizing his defensive prowess while keeping his plus bat in the lineup. That helps us not a waste at all. Yeah, that's pretty much what we were saying. Yeah, Matt, Matt's, Matthew's pretty much right there. All right, moving on to AJ Casavell. He put out today, 
the roster projection, his first spring training roster projection, the 28 guys that he thinks will make the roster opening day. Again, it's 28 guys, not 26, because of the shortened spring training. They're kind of trying to help out the players a little bit, keep them healthy, add some extra guys. Pretty much probably going to be extra arms. Uh, definitely Padres will probably have another extra arm because Snell's not built up. There's some guys that aren't. And just to keep guys healthy, and why not add a diff- uh, another pitching option? That never hurts. Uh, in his roster projection, he noted he also expects, like Lynn, that they uh, he expects the Potters to make one more move. It might be minor, um, a minor move, like a bullpen arm or a bench player. Um, so he's not expecting like a splash move, like you know a Conforto or a Meadows or a Mullins, someone like that. You know that would qualify as that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. In terms of the roster breakdown, and we'll go position by position, and we can give our thoughts, again, in the comments as well. You can give your thoughts on who you think, if you agree what players should be uh, in this opening day uh, you know, roster. And, in fact, I'll share my uh, screen so the YouTube audience, while we're talking, can see uh, what players he has uh, on the uh, roster projection here. All right. Let's see here. All right. So to start off, he has, again, he published this today, MLB.com. Here it is. So he has three catchers, Austin Nola, Jorge Alfaro, and Victor Caratini. Um Look, I think this is probably the right thing. I, I think this is probably what we're going to see. I kind of I, I agree that Camposano's a long shot. He probably won't be there. Probably will be in AAA because he's not good defensively. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience in the majors, and they just have too many catchers. And the way things are going, I don't see them making a trade. Now, you can expect one, but I just don't feel like it's happening because literally nothing's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jorge Alfaro, if he continues hitting well, I think he'll make it as an additional bat off the bench, especially with the outfield situation. They're just they don't have enough outfielders, so he could be another emergency left field option, I guess, uh, and catching option as well. Austin Nola, I think, should be the starting catcher, and I think they'll put Caratini on there because a lot of pitchers like uh, pitching to him. Yeah. Now, look. And I think Caratini's defensive uh, defense as well, I think that's also something to take note of. Last year he had a .2 defensive war, and Alfaro had a negative .5 defensive war, so .7 uh, war difference. That might not seem like a lot, but it also – I don't know if it takes into effect of when those errors happen, if it's late in the game or if it's in the first inning and he just botches a ball. You know, yeah. That's uh, definitely something that I think – Maybe they take into account or they don't. I'm not too sure about that. But that is a big gap in my opinion. Um, so I think these three catchers that A.J. Castleville has, I think you could definitely see that happening. Um, and I think that's the most realistic trio of three catchers. I don't know about you, Jacob. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as I'd like to see Luis Camposano um, at the big league level thriving in that DH role, um, this is probably the best option right now, especially with how Alfaro is um, been playing in spring training, I agree with it. Right, yeah. 
Uh, Eric says, thanks for doing this live stream, guys. You made work tolerable today. You're welcome. I, I hope uh, – usually, usually I do this more like nighttime when guys are – or people are you know, coming home from work. Uh, but today, this was when Jacob was available, and hopefully – if you guys are watching uh, you know, at work, again, you guys can feel free to tell us where you're watching from. Um, and make sure to hit that subscribe button. I know people have asked about super chats and all that stuff. Um, I need, I think, a th like 1,000 subscribers, so keep hitting that subscribe button, anyone that's new. Even Big Island Bum, I know you, I don't like liked your trade take, but feel free to subscribe. I, I like at least, you know, I like the banter. You know, I, I like you guys bringing this up. Um, now we can move on now to the infield. He has Eric Cosmer, Luke Voigt, Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, Mana Machado, and CJ Abrams making the roster. Hosmer obviously is making the roster. Voigt obviously making the roster. He's they put him as an infielder, but he's pretty much the DH. Uh, Jake he might play first against uh, lefties. Uh, he's just a better hitter overall, though. Regardless. Um, against lefties and righties, at least when I was looking at the splits, then Hosmer. Uh, but obviously with the big contract and Voigt, probably, they just want to keep Voigt healthy as well. They don't want to you know, maximize the uh, potential of him getting hurt on the field, so they're just going to put him on the base paths or in the box. Uh, but Jake Cronenworth, obviously. Hassan Kim, obviously. Manny, obviously. But C.J. Abrams, obviously. That, obviously, is not an obvious... Uh, candidate, or not candidate, obvious slam dunk to make the roster. A lot of buzz, a lot of, I mean, I'm a big C.J. Abrams fan, obviously. I was, I obviously, like I mentioned earlier, didn't want him to get traded. Don't want him to get traded. Uh, I think that would be dumb for them to just give up on him. It feels like, to me, it would be like the White Sox give it up on Tatis early. Now, I know Abrams is way farther along than what Fernando was, uh, but it, that's there's still a comparison that you can make there. Uh, and Abrams, I think he has a he's going to make the roster if and only if he continues like this, because the Padres have a lot of excuses that they can make and a lot of reasons that they can put in front of CJ to tell him at the end of camp why he wasn't able to make the opening day roster. Whether that's you need more at bats, you didn't hit well the last two weeks of spring against major league pitching. Uh, we just like having Hassan Kim and Profar more experienced guys as options. We can put an all-star at shortstop in Jake Cronenworth. So I think there's a lot of excuses that they can make. You're not stronger. Uh, you're not as strong as we want you to be. Still go get stronger. There's a lot of excuses I think that they can make. But I think he makes it if he continues on this trajectory because they have no excuse. With the Dodgers loading up with Freddie Freeman, they need to have the best 13 position players or how many they put on the roster, they need to have the best position players in the organization that they can help win the team, win games with the Padres. They need those guys on the roster right now. And if CJ is one of those guys, they don't have an excuse, especially with Fernando out. And if they want to keep, you know, in touch with the Dodgers or be in a playoff spot by the time Fernando's back, he needs to be on, not just on the roster, but in the starting lineup if he continues playing this way. He has three home runs already this year, or this spring training. Yeah, it's technically two, but it's three. He demolished that ball against Zach Plesak, and that was fair. That's just stupidity that that ball was called foul, by the way. Really short foul pole there in Arizona. Uh, but your thoughts on C.J. Abrams, I think it's, 
I think it's now look these roster projections at the end of the day don't mean they don't mean anything. AJ Casville's not Bob Melvin or AJ Preller. He's not the one making the decision. But I think it's still great that at least AJ, someone who's there in Peoria every day, at least has the confidence that as of now CJ would you know make the roster. Yeah, I mean uh, he's been exciting to watch. Uh, I think that you know. You call him up, why not? Give him a shot um, in the beginning. Obviously, you know, Hassan there. But, I mean, the way Abrams is playing right now in the short kind of couple games we've seen, um, it's been crazy. I mean, the main concern was power, I think, and he kind of blew that out the window. Um, as you said, hitting two kind of three home runs, um, it, it was a short foul ball. I agree with that. Um, but... <laughs> I just think it would be exciting to see Abrams play at the big league level, um, especially with the way he's playing right now. I think he earned a shot to play at the big league level. Um, it's just up to Melvin and Preller to, you know, make that decision at the end of the day. Right, and I'm trying to look here on Twitter to kind of find this. Okay, here it is. Uh, oh, the home run? Yeah, I'll pull right. it up. Home run? Yeah. <laughs> the home run that was a home run that was called, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, foul. All right, let me share. Uh, let's see. Shop. Okay, here it is. All right. Here it is. Absolutely demolished. Like, I know this is this is off a of TV. This is off Mickey Coke's uh, TV. But my goodness, that ball was mashed. Look, look at the fan. They're showing the fan in this camera of him running after the ball, and it's pretty much in fair territory. Like, mm-hmm. So <laughs> that ball is absolutely demolished. Crushed. Yeah. So I think, look, the other uh, infielders, obviously, that ended up you know, making A.J. Casaville's you know, first projected opening day roster are obvious, Hosmer, Voigt, Jake, Kim, Manny, uh, but with Abrams, obviously, is the question mark, and we'll see, you know, where that goes. If they add an outfielder, then Profar probably will be in that infield uh, category. Um, but we'll see. Uh, moving on now to the outfield, he has Will Myers, Trent Grisham, Jerks and Profar, and Nomar Mazar. Again, these are all four expected right now. I don't really disagree with any of these. Uh, I think these four, obviously, like, the obvious ones, like there's no other options that they have. Like Myers, Grisham are obviously the right and center fielders respectively right now. And Profar seems like the left fielder. Uh, and there's a, and Nomar Mazara is the fourth outfielder because they don't have other options. They need more power. And Trace Thompson doesn't have as much power potential as Nomar Mazara does. And I think that, you know, with no, obviously, no outfield additions, like I mentioned just moments ago, they just don't have any other options. Like, yeah, Profar and Mazar seem like the platoon, if you will, even though that's not how platoons should work. That's another troubling thing. Platoons, that's not how they work. Platoons are usually two hitters who hit well. They just don't hit well against both sides of the uh, – both uh, armed pitchers, if you will. They, you know, with that's why they're talking about with the first place platoon. That's how a platoon's supposed to kind of work. I know Hosmer, you'd want a better hitter than Hosmer, but that's how platoons work. Is Voigt hits better, 
or Voigt hits good against lefties. Hosmer sucks against them, so you put Voigt in against lefties. And then the same thing with righties, you put Hosmer in against righties. That's how a platoon's supposed to work. But with this here, you have a platoon of Mazzara who has power potential, who doesn't hit well against one side of the plate. And then, okay, so if you don't put him in the game, your other platoon option is a guy who doesn't have power, period, against either side of the plate. So, like, that's not that's just not how platoon works, but there's no other options, Jacob, here. Um, not at all. I mean, uh, I agree with um, the four outfielders we have here. Um, I wish I, I didn't agree with them, but I do. Um, Nomar Mazar has been, you know, fairly well at uh, spring training. I remember... First game I watched this year um, was his at bat later in the later in the game I believe and he uh, absolutely crushed the ball in right field um, so you know, there's some hope there with power um, you, as you said you don't really want a platoon with a contact guy and a power guy yeah. um, you kind of hope it's just a guy who absolutely kills one side and a guy who actually kills the other side but now we got a uh, switch hitting kind of platoon or you know kind of plug and play guy and a power guy. So uh, I guess all I can say is we'll hope and see. Uh, <laughs> Which isn't I, a great I, thing to say. We'll, we'll hope and see. Yeah. <laughs> it's not – I didn't want to be, have to say that, but that's that's all I can really say right now. Yeah. All right, yeah. moving on to starting pitchers. Again, in the comments, you can put down anything in terms of anything you disagree with on A.J. Casavell's, uh projected – opening day roster his first one that he put out today eric says over under bob melvin gets ejected in the first 10 games um maybe uh what's the over under i mean one i don't i don't think he does i mean they're playing the diamondbacks in the first series i don't think you'd get ejected over anything with that that's not doesn't seem like a real heated series the giants maybe it would have to be it would have to be like something like the Abrams home run, where like the call is just absolutely stupid. Yeah. And of course, you should be pissed off about it. Like that was a spring training game, and that and Bob Melvin seemed like he was mad about it because he wanted CJ to have that home run at least, you know, in solidified in that MLB.com stats that he has. Like, um, so I'd say over under is one. I don't think he does get ejected in the first ten games, but we'll see. Maybe A's fans know more than I do, and they he got ejected way more times for unnecessary things. But I don't think that's how he is. Uh, let's see. If they put Abrams on the roster, they must plan on him starting. If he doesn't start, it seems better for him to stay down and get at bats. Yeah, I think so too. That's what Dennis Lynn was saying yesterday. I think everyone agrees with that. There's no point. It's with Gore as well. If you're not going to start him, if you're not going to give him innings, there's no point in, ha- in using up service time, starting his clock, uh, or also just playing the up down up down game. Like there's no yeah. point in that. That that's that's just that's not. You do that with Daniel Camarena. You don't do that with your number one pitching prospect or with your best position player prospect. Uh, I don't think that's smart. And I think if they do put, bring him up, yeah, he's going to be starting. Uh, Adam, sup, Friars Pods making a move because today is an off day. Uh, I don't think so. Preller, Preller made a move when they had a game, I think, with Luke Voigt, right? They had a game late. Or what? Did spring training? No. We're spring training. Right were spring training games starting 
Have they, you been they, like the first or second game or right before? Okay, yeah. He he no, I don't think that plays any into anything. Other teams are playing games today, so that that doesn't do anything. And if Preller yeah, Preller sits in what the sixth row at the Pure Sports Complex with his bucket hat on and scouting, like his phone. Yeah. Well, he watches the game, like he was really intently watching Mackenzie Gore yesterday. But if he gets a call from the Rays, you know, Eric Neander talking about wanting, you know, Austin Meadows He'll get up. You know, he can go watch the video of Gore later. Like, a game doesn't prevent him. A spring training game doesn't prevent him from doing anything. Like, especially when you're the GM. Like, I know you're, you're going to be evaluating and all that, and you will. And guess what? Like I just mentioned, you can go watch the game again. You can go watch it 20 times if you want to. I've watched Gore starts multiple times in spring training already. Uh, you can watch it. That's what's great about the internet. Um, so, you can't go over conversations again, you know, in a possible trade when a GM calls you or texts you and he says, I- I'm giving you 10 minutes to make a decision. You, you can't replay that. So, no, yeah. uh, that doesn't have any effect, I don't think. Uh, let's see here. Starters, you Darvish, he, AJ Caswell has, Joe Musgrove, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, and Chris Paddock. So, Darvish, Musgrove, one of those two probably starting opening day. Clevenger, Snell are obviously slam dunks for the rotation. Snell's probably a piggyback, maybe even Clevenger as well, with Nick Martinez or Chris Paddock or Mackenzie Gore or Ryan Weathers, someone like that, or Craig Stammen even maybe. Um, but he, I think it was interesting that he had Paddock here. I think obviously that's – I would lean towards Nick Martinez because they literally gave him $25.5 million. Yeah. Uh, Second, I'd probably go Paddock because he has the big league experience um, and he his clock's already started and all that. Um, but, you know, I obviously people on YouTube or people in comment sections and Twitter, they're calling him, uh, you know, DeGore. Uh, it's like, let's chill on that a little bit. He's made two spring training starts. He was facing the Angels yesterday. Uh, so let's let's chill on that. Um, I think this is the safe kind of projection. I think Paddock Paddock has better odds, like I just mentioned, than uh, Gore. I think, but I would probably say Martinez over Paddock. I think they might have Paddock be a piggyback. I just think it wouldn't be a great look for them to give Nick Martinez twenty five and a half million dollars and then yeah. have him be a long man, like. If he doesn't earn it, then he doesn't earn it, so maybe. But, like, if Paddock and Martinez pitch comparably to each other in spring training, I think it wouldn't be as great of a look for them to have Nick Martinez not earn a starting spot in the rotation when you have everyone like MLB Network and all these people, uh, you know, projecting projecting Martinez to be their fifth starter. Um, I mean... So, first of all, the first three locked up for sure. Blake Snow, I think he's also locked up. But, you know, any injury could switch this up at any time for any person. Um, but if you have those first four locked up, let's say that, I think that they give it to Paddock just because of the major league experience. Um, the only thing I think they might not give it for Paddock is just the contract because – you give a guy that much money, you want him to, you know, battle for that fifth spot. Um, 
Yeah, and I'll add this too. I, I like I have very high expectations. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll add this too. With the whole, uh, it's kind of just popped into my head. You know, they gave Kim twenty eight million last year, and they're giving Martinez twenty five and a half million this year. And so I think people can make the argument. Well, Ben, Jacob, they didn't start Kim last year, and they gave him all that money. Well, yeah, but that that was just a stupid deal. I think they just overpaid for him. They weren't going into the season thinking that he would be a starter. I think there's more people thinking that Martinez will be a fifth starter than Kim was going to start at second or short. That wasn't going to happen. Tatis is the shortstop. Cronenworth is the second baseman. That going into net last year, that's just the way it was. So I think you can't compare that apples to apples there. But go ahead and finish whatever you were going to say. Well, just to add on to what you were saying, kind of, I mean, it, you're basically kind of comparing, okay, would you rather have a guy that you're paying um, a pretty good amount to start over Fernando Tatis or Chris Paddock? Mm. Um, and I think the obvious answer is Chris Paddock. Um, I think that Paddock and Martinez might, you know, battle it out here and there. I don't, I, I think they'll, you know, backpack each other kind of. Uh, maybe one goes three, one goes three, something like that. One goes four, one goes three. Um, Kind of like how um, Paddock and Weathers did a little bit um, last year, kind of, uh, or something like that. Uh, uh, but I do think that Paddock gets to start just because of that major league experience. Uh, unless Nick Martinez, you know, uh, kind of, I don't know, favorite, favoritized, is that a word, to Bob Melvin. Um, I, I think that Paddock does get the fifth fifth spot or they piggy, or piggyback each other just like that. Yeah, because Martinez does have major league experience. It was just a long time ago where he yeah, didn't really it's not pitch. As recent as Paddock, yeah, um, yeah, and that's that's what I'm going off of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Martinez had like a sub two ERA last year in Japan, but again, that's not yeah. major. That's not the major league. So I think it's also kind of like a Gore thing in terms of just wait and see, and maybe they just go. Exactly. With, maybe, maybe they just go with the uh, you know the hot guy. Um, in spring training. Um, all right, relievers, Emilio Pagan, Pierce Johnson, Robert Suarez, Luis Garcia, Craig Stammen, Tim Hill, Nabil Chrismat, Austin Adams, Denelson Lamette, and Nick Martinez. So here he has Paddock making the fifth spot and Martinez being a long guy out of the bullpen. I would probably switch those two for me, uh, but I think... Martinez and Paddock will fall in the same category as two or three inning pitchers and might just piggyback each other or piggyback Snell. I think that's kind of where they fall right now. Um, But Paddock will be built up. He'll be built up more than Martinez. I guess that's another point that I could say for – or that you could say if you're going to favor Paddock over Martinez – that Paddock will be built up going into opening day or Martinez hasn't pitched in a spring training game yet. So that's, that is something there. Um, but Emilio Pagan, that's obvious. Pierce Johnson, that's obvious. Robert Suarez, obvious. Luis Garcia is obvious. Stammen's obvious. Hill's obvious. Chris Matt, I think, is obvious. Adams is obvious. Uh, Lamette, I think. So look, these 10 relievers, usually there's like, what, eight? Something like that. But with the expanded rosters, there's 10. So I think Chris Matt's probably an option to go down when after April just based on, you know, eye test maybe. Uh, and then after that, I mean, that will, that'll be hard to, to pare down that. Um, he does not have Ryan Weathers listed in the relievers or the starters. So he has 
Uh, it looks like he has Ryan Weathers in the minors, along with Ray Kerr, who they picked up in that Autumn Frazier deal, and has him as options with Daniel Camarena as well, Jose Castillo, uh, as guys that might be able to be called up at some point during the season. Um, the thing I find interesting with this roster projection with the relievers is obviously Denelson Lamette for me. Um, is he end, is he going to end up being the closer? I I think that he definitely has the stuff with the slider and a lot of closers in Padres history have had that one strikeout pitch with their fastball, like Trevor had the changeup. Brad Hand was big with his slider, um, so I think. And, and, you know, Denelson has the slider for him. I think he has that in terms of comparing former uh, closers with Lamette. And I think that they could use him in that role, but I don't think it's smart to use him in that role right out of the gate, like I mentioned yesterday on episode 132, about having him just go like back-to-back-to-back days right out of the gate when, as a starting pitcher, he's used to going every once every five days, and he's not even used to be pitching out of the bullpen right now. So I think they I think they have to slow their roll if that's what they want to do. Uh, I think Lamette eventually has a strong chance of being the closer. And that's obviously unless Emilio Pagan or Luis Garcia or Robert Suarez takes it like Melanson does. So let's say like last year, I'll compare uh, – let's see. I'll compare Lamette to – like uh, Emilio Pagan of last year, where he was battling probably for the closer spot, but then he got – Melanson just took it and ran with it. And this could happen with Pagan if he gets that first opportunity, or it could happen with Robert Suarez who closed overseas. And then they just go with that, and Lamette, you know, goes into a seven- or eighth-inning role. Uh, now, Pomerantz is another option as well that they might be able to build up at some point if he ends up being healthy down the line. He's not going to be opening day on the roster because he still hasn't pitched off a mound yet. Uh, but that's another option as well. But obviously the big question here, I think I agree with the names here. I just don't know, obviously, who the closer is and who it will be, and the Padres don't know that either. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that they're going to give Pagan the first shot. Um, but I I don't think that Danielson Lamette um, not getting a shot is going to happen. I feel like they're going to give him a shot eventually. Um, you know, just depending on what Pagan does. If he runs away with it, then, I mean, that's a win-win for us because we found our um, kind of guy there to, you know, take over that closer role. Right. Um, but, I mean, if Lamette kind of turns into that good closer um, – there's a, there's a shot there because I mean last year he, what was he doing he was kind of piggybacking Weathers kind of as that he, fifth guy he know, came into the in. bullpen a little okay so he started at first when he was coming off of injury yeah. then he got hurt I think immediately then he came back and he was in the bullpen I remember that Sunday night Cardinals game that he came out of the bullpen at Petco and then I think the rest of the year that's pretty much what he was. Um, that's I, I think they're they definitely are viewing like Gore and Weathers more as starters than they and Paddock and Martinez more than they are with Lamet. I think Martinez and Paddock can piggyback at some point and Lamet, it seems like I mean Bob Mellon has said they're gonna build him up a little bit, so maybe he ends up doing that as well at the beginning of the season. Uh, 
So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I agree. Yeah. Um, but I just I, I agree with the names here. I'll say that first of all. Um, I think that you know kind of nailed it on the head with the the you know the total amount of people with the names um, and the expanded rosters that will have ten relievers. Um, I just think that uh, Gon's going to get that first uh, start at closer and. Hopefully he can be like the first half of the year Pagan and not the second half where he was literal batting practice for every other team. Um, so I, that, that's just that's just my thoughts. Um, at least until Pomeranz, you know, kind of gets back, see where he's at. Um, I think that the names here are, are good. Um, maybe Robert Suarez, as you said, you know, he was overseas for a little bit. Um, but I think Pagan gets the start ultimately closer for the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think these next two weeks with a lot of things are going to play, whether that's Abrams, whether, whether that's Gore, whether that's whoever gets the, who gets the fifth spot, whether that's the closer role, whether that's who's the backup catcher, whether they you know have Alfaro on the roster, whether they have Camposano on the roster. A lot of that's going to be determined now in the, the next two weeks here. There's an off day today, and then they play spring training games. The rest of this spring training slate before the off day – uh, April 6th before April 7th, which is opening day, obviously. So let's see if we have any comments about A.J. Casabell's projected roster. Ethan, the Padres are still going to suck with or without him. Who is he referring to? I think they were talking a while ago. Okay. I'm not sure entirely. Uh, oh, Meadows maybe? probably... Adam says, if we trade for Meadows, who would the Padres give up? I think the Rays are big on pitching, so Ethan Elliott, a prospect, is probably a a, uh, a real possibility uh, to be included. I think maybe one of the catchers um, is a possibility. Camposano, maybe that's a possibility. Uh, obviously, yeah. they... They got Francisco Mejia from us, I believe, as well in that uh, Blake Snell deal, along with Blake Hunt. Um, so yep. those are possibilities. I still don't think a Meadows trade happens, though. No. Uh, this lineup needs another big bat until Tatis gets back. Brian Reynolds is the go-to guy. Need to make that move. Well, look, you're not going to make... I don't think it's smart to make a move just so... I mean, I just to make a move until Tatis gets back. Like, that's not how baseball works. This isn't the NBA. All I hate this ta- this narrative or all this just, like, opinion that I'm seeing. Let's, you know, we need to compensate for the, you know, the loss of Tatis, and once Tatis gets back, we'll be fine. Like, that's not the way it works. Tatis hit 42 home runs last year, and the Padres didn't make the playoffs. You... If Tatis plays well, you still need the rotation to stay healthy. You still need the bullpen to pitch well. You need you still need to have a good closer. You still need Machado to play to hit and play well and stay healthy. You still need Grisham to probably have a bounce back year. Have you seen the Dodgers lineup? You know, have you Walker Bueller's better than any starting pitcher the Padres have at this moment, at this very moment. And so there's a lot of things past Tatis coming back. Even if you guarantee that he hits another 40 home runs, which can't happen, obviously, because how long he's out. But if he has another MVP caliber season when he comes back, that still doesn't guarantee you anything. So 
saying that this lineup needs another big bat, I, I, can, I can kind of agree with that, but, you know, not to say, I mean, just to say that you need another big bat, and a big bat until Tatis gets back, you just don't understand the way baseball works then, or the way that the Padres roster works then. That's not the way it works. You need more than one or two or three players to perform well if you want to win a World Series. Yeah, and yeah, nailed on the head. I don't know. Uh, do's, do's, Zertries, 619. Can't wait to see, okay, you spelled Lamette wrong, but can't wait to see Lamette close a game. Give the man a sick entrance like Trevor's. I think that would, I think Lamette kind of is the one that will decide that. Melanson liked that music that he had last year. Um, so, sure. I, yeah, I think, I think that's just, the the closer decides we that. Seen him early, don't yeah. Don't we see Melanson early? He's up yep. First series of the season. Yep. Hopefully, uh, someone takes him yard, like Jonathan India did <laughs> against the Reds or with the Reds last year, before Caratini okay. ended up walking it off. April seventh. We'll get to that right now. So April seventh, Petco Park. That's not opening day. I hope you know that, Uncle Nick, uh, for the Potter, the home opener. That's that's just fan fest, as that was. Uh, Released today by the Padres, they're going to have like a watch event at Petco. They're going to show the game against the Diamondbacks opening day at Chase Field in Arizona on the big screen, and they'll show that. And it's kind of like a makeup fan fest. No p- current players, obviously, but they'll have, um, yeah, fan fest. They'll have Trevor Hoffman there, Mark Loretta there. I forget the other one other uh, alumni that they mentioned, um, but. They'll be there. I think there'll be like complimentary food, like for the concessions that are going to be there this year. Um, so gates open at five. Game starts at six forty p.m. Pacific time. So anyone who's in San Diego, anyone who wants to go, that's definitely an option. It's free. So yeah, that's definitely April seventh opening day. They're going to have some type of fan fest, as that was announced by the Padres earlier today. Uh, Sar says, meaning to keep yourself in the playoffs and you can still get Reynolds without trading Abrams. Can you? I don't think you can. I think Dennis Lynn reported, I think, earlier this month that the Pirates are looking for to get Abrams back for Brian Reynolds. So, no, I don't think that that can happen. Uh, I did want to talk about, before we get to Dave Roberts, that'll be a great way to end this, uh, Randall Gritchick... Randall Gritchick was traded from the Blue Jays to the Colorado Rockies today. Rymel Tapia, who tries to look like Fernando, uh, he was traded to the Blue Jays. So I guess, I mean, Tapia kind of stood out like a profile to me, puts together good at-bats and all that. But Gritchick, I mean, we can look at his numbers. I think... I already didn't have a good year. Yeah, I think, from what I know, I think he's getting paid. I think he's getting overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was kind of like a Hosmer year. His uh, war is less than one. Hit 241, uh, 22 home runs. Uh, j- drove in a little bit over 80 runs. Uh, he's projected in 2022. Well, this isn't correct. It says that he's. Oh no, this is that's spring training. 2022 projections. He's expected to hit 22 home runs again. 
drive in less than 80 runs. Uh, maybe, I don't, I don't think this is updated. Um, I was like, yeah. Um, but this is just the projections as of that I'm looking at right now at 4.26 p.m. Eastern time uh, of what baseball reference is uh, expecting Grichik to do. Again, the Rockies, I don't have no – I have no freaking idea what they're doing. Uh, Battling for that fourth-place spot. Yeah, you just – sure, let's trade our franchise – face of the franchise and give the Cardinals $50 million and get back no one, you know, Austin Gomber and some other guys. Let's do that, piss off all of our, fran- all of our fans in the process, then not get anything back for Trevor Story when it was – Obvious that he was going to get traded, that or that he wasn't going to come back to Colorado in free agency, and then let's not trade John Gray, and let's just let him walk to the Rangers in free agency. I have, and then then let's go bring in Chris Bryant for a deal that no one else was going to give him. Like I have no idea what they're doing there. That I don't, I don't think that's really going to sell a whole lot of tickets. To be quite honest, I don't. Arenado was the, the franchise there. Bryant's a good player, but I think Arenado means a whole lot more to Colorado than Bryant does. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right, you can go ahead, Jacob. Tell him about oh. your hat. Um, I did see this comment. No, it does not. I just have pins on it, that's all. Yeah, so um. for the podcast audience, uh, YouTuber comment, this is off topic, but I like Jacob's hat. Does it have a side patch? It's just a fryer on it, uh, yeah. and he has some pins on it. No, there's no, no side patch. Uh, yeah. All right. So thanks for that question. All right, let's get to Dave Roberts, that guy. Um, Favorite. Yeah. He uh, loves to pump his chest out now uh, that they got Freddie Freeman. Um, let's see. He said today on the Dan Patrick show, uh, this came out before I before we started coming on here. He said to Dan Patrick today, quote, we are winning the World Series in 2022, end quote. And then a little bit later he said, quote, we will win the World Series this year. Put it on the record, end quote. All right, well, I put on Twitter, I uh, tagged freezing cold takes because whenever someone does that, that usually doesn't end up well. Um, they usually are wrong. Like, it's so hard to win a World Series. It's so hard to – who cares how – I mean, you have a great team, right? And there's been, there's been so many times where it doesn't work. And I do – a lot of people are going to just take the uh, – you know, they're going to take the quote that I just mentioned and say, okay, he – it's just saying that regardless of injuries, regardless of anything that happens, he's saying that they're going to win the World Series. Put it on the record. He did clarify after for anyone that actually saw it. He said that, you know, answering Dan Patrick's actual question was, which Dan Patrick was saying, the Dodgers win the World Series if, and then he had Dave Roberts answer it. He was saying that, to answer it actually, he was saying that if the pitching, the, the pitching staff, the rotation stays healthy, that's how they'll win. And so they have options there with Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, Julio Arias, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, David Price in the bullpen probably. Um, so they have options there. But 
okay, if, if Tatis comes back and the Padres' rotation stays healthy, they have a better rotation than the Dodgers. I, I don't really get, like... I agree, yeah. Like, I don't understand... I get the confidence and doing all that, but to and to say, you could say I think we're going to win the World Series. I'm confident in our team. The Freddie Freeman edition was great. I believe in our rotation. If we stay healthy, I think we're going to have a really great shot at winning the World Series. But to guarantee that he makes or that they win the World Series, and to guarantee and say put it on the record, we're going to win the World Series this year. What does what does that serve your team? You already have a lot of pressure on you, and doesn't that just provide bullet board material for any team that comes to play you? Not even the Padres. I'm not talking about the Padres. Anyone that saw the Padres-Dodgers, those matchups last year, it was obvious that the Padres needed no extra motivation, and the Dodgers needed no extra motivation. Those matchups were absolutely just playoff-like, playoff atmosphere. The Petco Park like ground was shaking when Grisham walked with the bases loaded against Trevor Bauer at home last year. So there was no extra motivation for the Padres for Dave Roberts saying this. But I'm talking about like teams like the Reds or the Marlins or the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Don't you think that's bulletin board material for them to be like, Dave Roberts said that they're going to win a World Series this year. Let's go make these guys look stupid and beat them in the regular season. And say, oh yeah, you're going to win a World Series. Well, this uh, thirty million dollar payroll just beat you. Like, isn't that more motivation for that? I think for rebuilding teams. Like, I don't get. I I get the confidence, and you're supposed to have confidence in your team. But to before prefacing it, which he did. I'm going to say it again. He did preface it, or not preface it. Post postus it. Whatever you want to talk, say it, uh, postface it, whatever. He did, you know, clarify it, saying that the rotation, if it stays healthy, that's what he means when the team that the team will win. But first off, he said, without prefacing it, he said, "Mark it down, we're winning the World Series." Like I just don't understand why would what does that serve you? What why say that? It. The only thing I could say that, you know, I could vouch for him, which I'd never vouch for him, uh, and he's just trying to be confident. But, I mean, that puts unwanted pressure on a team that has a lot of pressure, I feel, just because of uh, the expectations that you have with your same payroll, uh, the insane names you have on your team. Um, and it just adds extra motivation for, like, teams that aren't. You know, they don't have a real shot at winning it this year or even making the playoffs. Like the Rockies, like, you know, like the Diamondbacks that, you know, you see them a lot in the year because they're in your division. Uh, um, and, you know, they want to play spoiler probably now just because you said that. Um, it makes you makes them want to, you know, go out there, make you guys look like um, you can't hang them, you know, guys that are borderline AAA kind of thing. Um, it's like it, it, it makes sense. I, I I don't want to say it makes sense, but, like, he's trying to be confident. I get that. But I, I don't think it was a smart thing to do just because of, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, I feel like he's just putting unwanted pressure on his team. Yeah. Love this comment here. The only thing Dave Roberts can guarantee is that a, to make a horrible coaching decision in the playoffs. 
Yeah, he's done. He's made a few of those. Um, yeah. Look, he has a lot of talent, but that also means that he has a lot of talent uh, that might not perform or talent that he puts into the game in situations they're not really that comfortable with and they don't perform. He doesn't have Kenley Jansen to go to in the regular season now, where it seemed like in the regular season he was pretty solid. The postseason was where it was iffy for Dodger fans. Um, so it, it is kind of like – just my point is like what's the point in, in saying this and just saying in spring training on March 24th, we're going to win the World Series. Like that – I'm sure players are like, all right, let's just – can we take this one day at a time here? Just take it one day at a time, Skipper. Take it one day at a time. Uh, Zara says, if, if, say, Bueller goes down, Dodgers are in trouble. I agree. But it's also the same with every other team. Like, if Jacob deGrom goes down for the Mets, that makes them a whole lot worse. They have Scherzer, but that still makes them worse. If Garrett Cole down, goes down for the Yankees, that makes them really worse. If... Darvish goes down for us. That all of a sudden puts probably Martinez and Paddock into the rotation instead of one of them, or makes you have Gore in the rotation if if you didn't want to piggyback him, or that you know puts more pressure on Snell to stay healthy when he's not ramped up now. Like it, it adds a. It's the whole. You can say that about every team. So, and yeah, like a, no real closer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jansen is not there anymore. Goes to the Braves. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to touch on with Dave Roberts. Uh, anything else you want to add? I mean, we talked about a lot here going on over an hour and a half now. Uh, episode 133 of Talking Friars Podcast YouTube show talked about A.J. Caswell's first roster projection, some of uh, what A.J. Preller was thinking and some moves that he might make. Michael Conforto probably not fitting with the Padres. Tommy Pham going to the Reds. Anything else that we should that you saw or wanted to talk about before we get out of here? No, I think we covered everything and more. To be honest, yeah. Hey, any questions? Yeah. Any last questions in the no, chat? Any questions in the chat? So we got it all. Yeah. Don't think there's any We're more. Not seeing. not seeing any more. So, all right. This has been fun again. This is episode 133, Talking Fires Podcast YouTube Show. Jacobs is back. That was really fun. Uh, sponsored by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs. Point Loma Sports Arena, two locations there, their actual shops, and then Petco Park during the 2022 season. Gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu. We're out. See you next time. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show.